there's always someone that follows. And if there wasn't someone before me that showed me I could do it, then I wouldn't be able to do it. So I want to be that person for the next generation. You know, you never know if you don't try. Most of my opportunities and certifications or achievements, whatever you call it, um, they were all by chance. I didn't think I'd get them. Um, I quite frankly didn't think I'd pass my educator's course and it turns out I'm pretty good at it. I might be better at that than playing, to be honest. But yeah, you never know if you don't try and failure is the biggest blessing you'll probably ever experience in your life because once you get out of it and you learn you can only get better and then I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be rainbows after that you will constantly fail but it's again you come back stronger and it's very cliche but after the first failure the second one would also feel worse but again it feels better when you get over it and just the growth the personal growth you have will be inexplainable it's not just related to the sport but like your per you realize what your values are and what you care about in the world and then you act on them so yeah that's my advice just do it <laughs> hello everyone and welcome to another episode of sporting directions proudly sponsored by tsunami teamwear with me simon atkinson and me tavis roberts for those of you who are new to the show, Sporting Directions is a podcast aimed at providing some ideas and guidance for those of you wanting to pursue a career in the world of sport. Over the course of this first series, we'll be interviewing a range of professionals from different areas of sport to share some of their amazing stories. We'll be having them share with us some of their achievements, some of their struggles, and any advice they may have for others of you wanting to pursue a career in sport. Now, today, we're very happy to welcome Kate Palace. Kate is an elite level athlete, coach, coach, educator, and artist. It's great to have you on the podcast with us today, Kate. Thanks, Simon. Hi, guys. So, Kate, where do I begin? I think the best place to start is, uh, could you explain a little bit more about where you are currently in your career and how you got to this point? Well, currently, I am in Sydney and I play premiership rugby here. Not contracted, um, women don't really get paid yet in this side of the world with Premiership Rugby. Um, and I'm freelancing, doing lots of art stuff. Yeah, that's where I am currently. I'm still an active international sevens player for the Philippines um, with the international campaign coming up in October. Um, yeah, that's where I am currently. That's absolutely fantastic, Kate. Thank you. So, um, where, where, how did you get to this point? How did you get to being a, an international rugby player? Right. Well, I started rugby in university. I discovered it by chance. I saw my best friend play a rugby game and I saw 15 different men, different shapes and sizes and abilities. And I thought, if that guy can run, I can run. So bearing in mind, I was never sporty in school. Um, and then by pure physical judgment, I was like, you know what? Rugby seems like an interesting sport, a sport for all. So why don't I give it a go? I went to my first rugby training that week. And then that same Saturday, after two rugby trainings, I was playing my first 15s game. Um, so it was a, kind of like a blessing in disguise and something I came across by chance. But it turned out to be something that's given me more opportunities than I would have ever imagined. That was already maybe eight years ago. And throughout that experience, because of injury or because of certain events that led me to not being selected in certain teams, 
um, I got into coaching and then from coaching I got into educating I could talk more about that later but different events kind of led into different pathways within the sport it sounds like you had a really short initiation into the world of rugby like you said you only picked it up at university and you mentioned before that maybe you weren't such a sporty person at uh, like middle school or high school was there something that changed in your lifestyle or the way that you were looking at sports or was there something that was holding you back in uh, schools that you sort of overcame yeah so in my childhood i think in primary schools i had asthma when i was younger and just in the warm-up in this in the team warm-up just to jog around the gymnasium i would start to feel very what's the word like i couldn't breathe and i always thought that i would never be good at sport so i never really pursued it because i couldn't even do pe without being in pain fast forward to secondary school it got a little bit better i think generally just with my age it also just faded away i had um I had like skin infect, not infections, like eczema instead of asthma. So my asthma turned into eczema. And that actually also affected my kind of interest in sport and exercise. Because if I sweat, like my, my skin would get itchy and then it would just get really uncomfortable. And I just never really found the sport I liked. I did try. Um, I was forced into the basketball team because I was taller than most of my peers. I wasn't very good. I traveled quite a lot, so traveling, running with a basketball, and I was too physical. But I went to a local school and rugby wasn't really something that was popular or not. It wasn't even part of the curriculum in the school that I went to. It was basketball, football, table tennis, swimming, so far as I can remember. So yeah, I think just the lack of opportunity in school, or at least the school life that I had in the local school, which led to not knowing rugby earlier. Um, but yeah. Hey, thanks for sharing that for us, Kate. And if I could draw you back to one of the other things that you mentioned, that you felt inspired by when you went to university, you saw 15 guys playing rugby of all different shapes and sizes. Is that something that like attracted you to that sport? And going further, like it takes a, a fair bit of practice to get from after two weeks of training to an international rugby. So yeah. was it only that everybody could play this sport or that's how you saw it? Like what inspired you to keep going with this sport? So obviously when I first started, I wasn't very good. It was it was team that I played for was a development team, which was great. There was a development league for girls that were new to the sport. Uh, yeah, a massive thing that attracted me to rugby and to keep trying was just because it was so inclusive. At that level of development, it really didn't matter if you've played before. It was more of a learning experience. Everybody was kind of new or switching to the sport or like trying rugby. And I'm really grateful for that experience. It probably took um, three, three, four years before I actually started playing at a higher level at the Premiership in Hong Kong. And international rugby only came into my life the last two years. So altogether, it's probably a six year timeline from when I first began, when I stepped onto the rugby pitch, not knowing what I was doing, to two years later playing Premiership rugby and then four or five years later playing international rugby but yeah what got me sticking to the sport was really that it felt like a sport for everyone no matter their ability uh no matter the background i really do believe that rugby is a sport for everyone and i'm i feel like i'm a v very big advocate for that yeah 
I love that idea that, that idea that, 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 that rugby is a sport for everyone. What I'd like to do is obviously turn it on its head a little bit and kind of say sport in general is for everyone. Sport for all is what we say in the, in the educational trade. I do want to pick up on one thing. You said, when I started, I wasn't very good. Now, we know there's a lot of people who think they can start a sport and be amazing at it. When the truth is, the large majority of people will start a sport and not be very good at it. And unfortunately, that does lead to a lot of people maybe dropping out of sport or not continuing with sport. What I'd love to know is, is, is what, what advice would you have for those people? Someone who maybe starts rugby, isn't very good at it straight away, goes, oh, I've had enough, I'm, I'm dropping out. What, what advice would you give to, to those people? Yeah, so a big, big, big reason I stuck to the sport. I was very close to quitting after the first year because um, I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't getting faster. I was still offside every single time. I had no idea where I was on the pitch either. I was also a prop when I first started, surprise. Um, um, and I wasn't built for it either, just because nobody else wanted to do it, FYI. Um, but I was very close to quitting um, because I felt like I didn't find the people that I could resonate with. I didn't feel the sense of family yet at that point um you guys would know like rugby feels like a family it's a big community um i didn't feel that when i first started i think it was also because the club that i joined in the very beginning was a local club although i speak fluent cantonese i'm not really very um i, I wasn't brought up the same way so by being the only native english speaker it was very difficult for me with a language barrier so it took that season sorry the next season where i moved clubs where people were also mostly english speakers where i finally understood the community of rugby and i found i fell in love with the sport even more there was more opportunities given to me and, and the biggest the biggest part of that was meeting people that believed in me but also understood where i was coming from without me trying to explain that I didn't understand. I had to worry about being new at the sport, but also worry about not being understood because of a language barrier. But when I was finally you know, taught rugby in English, it was amazing, it was a different world. And I have certain people to thank for that, for giving me opportunities as well. Um, I moved to a football club, which probably has a reputation for having amazing connections and networking. Um, and I'm very grateful for it. My, some of my inspirations obviously came from that as well. No, I, I love that. Um, the community of sport. I like that line. I love that line. I'm going to be I'm going to be stealing that one when I, when I teach my my, my children um, <laughs> here at school. The community of sport. But you're absolutely right. I like so many people have uh, have moved to many different towns, cities, countries. And the first thing I do is I I take my boots and I go find the nearest rugby club. I'm, I'm a rugby player. And, uh, and you're right, you, you just find that, uh, that inclusion, you find those people that believe in you and, and you find people that can can guide you moving forward. Now, that's a that's a real sort of inspiration, that's a real kind of a accomplishment, being able to, to feel part of a family. What I want to know, though, is, um, is there any particular barrier that you've come up against throughout your career um, that really resonates with you? But also, more importantly, how did you overcome that barrier? So barriers that I've been through, I think uh, the biggest, I've been through quite a bit throughout my sporting career. It, it was six, seven years, um, but a major one would definitely be the concussion. 
And I, like many other rugby players, are quite stubborn and we treat head knocks like it's nothing and come back way too early. We're much better for it now. There are protocols, there's the blue card. But when I first when I got my very first concussion, I came it was quite bad, but I came back too early. I came back after three weeks. And after that, I had another one, and then I came back after two weeks. Which actually, long long story short, it resulted in a blood clot on the left side of my brain. I'm not sure if it's still there. I like to live in denial because I didn't think I could ever play again. But um, that was a massive barrier and the timing of it didn't help either. At that time, I was selected for under 20s for Hong Kong. And then I was selected to be in the national development for 15s for Hong Kong. And I had to put my foot down and say, look, if I ever want to possibly play rugby again. I had to not play rugby for at least a year. That turned into two years of actually not even just no rugby. It was severe migraines going up the stairs or even just sometimes, you know, when you wake up too fast and stand up too fast, you feel like you're, you have vertigo and pass out. That was me, but every day and doing small things like picking up or tying my shoelace and then standing up. And I never knew when it would end. So I never even thought about being able to play rugby again because I couldn't even do these daily tasks. It took a while, but through a lot of resilience and acupuncture, actually, acupuncture is amazing. Um, I started to feel better again. So I started with yoga and then very slowly long walks and then jogging, got back to touch. And then I got a little bit too physical. This was a long time, okay? I got, got a little bit too physical in touch probably the second year of coming back. And then I was like, if I can accidentally shove someone in touch, I'm pretty sure I could maybe try playing again. So um, I tried to train again and it, it was fine. And they really took care of me that time and made sure it was okay for me to play again. And in between that time, sorry, let's rewind back to the very dark place um, of not being able to exercise. That's when I started doing art again. So I was an art student in school um, and I just felt really helpless because I fell in love with the sport and I basically just started playing competitively at this point. I just started becoming a good rugby player and then I had to put it away for the sake of staying alive. So, um, I chose, I used art to kind of, um, release all of these frustrations and emotions. And I, I, the art that I made actually started um as rugby related drawings and paintings and i had the hopes of using that for a greater cause and maybe selling selling the art and um, using donations to help athletes that suffer from concussions um like i did however this was maybe four or five years ago and there wasn't really any foundation that i found or research that i found that um catered to rugby specific concussions and the well-being of the athletes so that didn't actually pull through with the with the donations and all and selling the art but i have i am very grateful for that period of time because i wouldn't have gone into being a little entrepreneur with my creative business if that didn't happen your story illustrates just how important it is to keep athletes safe and it's really cool that you share that with us and even rewinding to the dark space in your life of uh, maybe reconnecting with selling art and trying to give back to your community in rugby. Could we expand a little bit more on that? Like, 
how did that turn into maybe a passion project? What did you have to do? And how did you, um, while not playing rugby, but keep being involved within the rugby community? So I always knew that I still wanted to be very active in the community and I did anything that I could to still be on the pitch Tuesday, Thursday night and still be on the sidelines on game days. That's actually when I started coaching as well, because I was I actually started to accept that I'd never play again. And I felt like there was this other half or this possible future that I've thrown away and it wasn't even my fault. Like I I I. I fully accepted that I could never play again. So I used that as motivation to become the best coach that I could be and take that to the next level. And that turned into an opportunity to become an educator. So I took that and then I wanted to be the best educator I could be. A huge reason I, I just wanted to still stay involved was because of how much rugby has given me. I was never a very confident um, person growing up or in school, I think, you could go into that and think about the science of endorphins as well and basically my lack of exercise as a child and the lack of running around. Rugby has given me this confidence in life and in myself that I have never experienced whatsoever. And I, I just wanted to make sure that I could do that for other people. And I feel like if I was a good coach or if I was a good educator, I could make sure that whoever was involved in my coaching or whoever was involved in the coaching course that I've done with them, they could kind of help me grow the sport and it would kind of fill in the the blanks of me, my, my possible rugby career that didn't happen, that's actually happening now surprisingly. But anyway, at that point in time, I didn't think I'd play again. So I was kind of hoping that by helping others, it would make me feel like I didn't, I wasn't missing anything in my career, if that makes sense. I think it's great that you highlighted that, that uh, helping others sort of fills in that gap or fills in that blank. And even though you're maybe not at the time, not playing a bit of rugby, but you're still within the community. And it's inspiring to hear that even on this time, you still had the ambition and drive to be the best. So... Now that you're coaching, and I know that you've got a lot of awards for your coaching and you've risen to a high level, could you explain a little bit more on the coaching and what it took to achieve and what level you are at at this moment in your coaching career and what did it take to get there? Yeah, so um, coaching started again during that injury period. Um, I started as a youth coach so coaching assistant coaching with under 14s under 19 girls um and at this point i've only really been playing for three years so i was navigating coaching girls that have been playing longer than i have instead of approaching it in a oh i'm a very skillful coach i approached it in a sense of look i'm here like an older sister i'm only a little bit more older than you are you know more about rugby than i do but I'm going to help you with your skills, not with my knowledge, but with your knowledge and kind of build you up from there, like to help build their confidence. I think that's really important when coaching girls. And I knew that because I'm a girl. Um, and then after that, I'm very grateful. My inspirations, they saw an opportunity in me and saw that I had, what's the word, potential. Um, so they invited me to do a level two. So I did my level two 
and then national national age grade things for Hong Kong started coming in. And I was a national age grade girl, so I thought it was pretty cool to be able to be in that position where uh, only a few years ago I was working very hard in these trials to get selected in, and now I'm selecting the girls. And then what's that after that? They saw, same again, my inspiration saw that some potential in me and that I was very good at talking or like very good at basically helping everybody discuss and understand and learn. All the while I was learning myself. So they invited me to do an educator course. And I, one of that, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm proud of, probably more than my international cap, is that I am Asia's youngest coach educator. I actually overthrew Steve Jones, who was my educator, and he's also my boss at football clubs. So that was very exciting. Um, um, I didn't have the means to research the world, so we only have Asia. So I'm quite happy with that. Um, yeah, so youngest ever educator, and then obviously female, so that was awesome. And then I started to accredit adults. And from being a coach that didn't really know that much compared to the girls who have been playing since they, were four, since they were four years old, five years old, I was now coaching adults who were mostly parents that wanted to become coaches. There was always some small part of me that was very scared because most of the people that I come across um, that I'll have to accredit or I'll have to coach, they knew more than me about rugby. Why would they listen to me? You know, like I had a three-year career that ended with a concussion and I haven't played any international thing. And I haven't played internationally yet either. The drive to kind of be the best came with a lot of hard work. I did a lot of studying. I watched a lot of rugby games. I asked my, my friends, my teammates. And with practice came a lot more knowledge. I'd learned skills from the girls that I coached during a session during a training session. I'd learn things from adults while I accredit them to become coaches, you know, like just a lot of learnings have come from those interactions. And I'm very grateful that the line of work that I was in in that time allowed that, that exchange of knowledge where, yeah, until now I'm still learning things. Um, there are new rules obviously every season but yeah, a lot of hard work and a lot of interactions is what I would say on how I got there. Well, I can certainly see why they approached you to become a coach educator. This 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 humble nature of yours, um, I think is absolutely key. So um, anyone who's, who's never done a, a coach educator course before won't know that we the focus isn't on the what you know. It's yeah. about the, it's, it's more about the how you coach it and, and how you deliver it. And um, you, you could be the most knowledgeable person in, in any particular sport. But if you don't know how to deliver that to your target audience, it's never going to be successful in its in its delivery. So to have someone like yourself who's very humble, and I love the idea of, of approaching the girls mostly from what you said about how I'm going to build on the foundations you already have. And I'm going to really, really specify what what I do to your needs. That's that's absolutely fantastic. So so huge credit to yourself there. Um, what I'd love to hear from you though is is for our listeners is in your own words, what is the importance? Why is it so important to give back? Which is exactly what you've done and, and something we all advocate. But in your own words, why is it so important to to give back? And how does that help you in your career? Mm, personally, I just wanted whether it was the girls I was coaching or whoever I was involved with 
in in a in a world rugby course i just felt the need to give back because i wanted them to understand and see the beauty of the sport and the community if they saw like if all of us gave back a little bit we would grow the sport and i'm not saying that you have to go to extremes like me where you kind of say yes to every single opportunity there were obviously downsides to that i was very burnt out but anyway um just with small things like um a positive comment or even constructive criticism i think that can also be a form of giving back um whether you're a coach or a player um whether you say it to your teammate i think just understanding that every interaction has has the potential to lead to a sort of motivation or a better understanding in whatever sport you're in can can go a long way let me think i'm better i'm not amazing with words but i'm better to relate it to an an experience um when i almost quit rugby in the beginning this is before concussion this is when i when i was having when i was struggling with a language barrier if it wasn't for one of my inspirations approaching me and basically welcoming me and teaching me and helping me understand the things i didn't understand i would not have continued playing and this was probably 5 minutes um on the side of the pitch just having a casual conversation if that didn't happen i wouldn't be where i am today yeah i think small things like a conversation is also a form of giving back and i think it's important just just to just to leave a positive influence i think and just learning is always positive isn't it like helping each other learn just being kind to each other i'm not sure if i answered the question but that's that's my thought process oh uh, you you answered it fantastically well and uh, it comes back to actually saying that's come up in quite a few of our um uh, our, our podcasts this uh, idea that comes from a very 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 good book and anyone that's listening that hasn't read this book i highly recommend it it's called legacy and it's all about the all back uh, journey and it's all about leaving the shirt in the better place and you left it and i think from what from what you're saying that's very much been your focus would you agree yeah 100% i could have said it that way but yes i have the book outside actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an absolutely fantastic book. It really is. Now, um, I've, I've written so much down about this conversation. It's been really fascinating to listen. Um, we've heard about your journey of ups. I mean, for example, your international cap, youngest coach educator in Asia. Again, absolutely fantastic accolade to have. We've also heard about your downs, uh, you know, the, the concussion or repeated concussion forcing you to give up the, the, the sport you loved. But what we've seen from this is your motivation, um, you know, your, your your growth mindset, we call it, how you've kind of seen light in the darkness, as you referred to it. But more importantly, you've you've seen opportunities to grow, you've seen opportunities to be better, which others might have overlooked. Now, with all that in mind, my next question is really directed at the listener or, or for the listener, and that's, what advice would you give to anyone listening to this thinking, I want to follow that career path. I want to be the international athlete. I want to be the coach educator. I want to topple Kate off the throne and be the youngest <laughs> coach educator in, in Asia. What advice would you give someone? I would tell them to do it. 
<laughs> with with someone that's breaking a barrier, there's always someone that follows. And if there wasn't someone before me that showed me I could do it, then I wouldn't be able to do it. So I want to be that person for the next generation. You know, you never know if you don't try. Most of my um, opportunities and certifications or achievements, what do you, whatever you call it, um, they're all by chance. I didn't think I'd get them. Um, I quite frankly didn't think I'd pass my educator's course and it turns out I'm pretty good at it. I might be better at that than playing, to be honest. Um, um, but yeah, you never know if you don't try and failure is the biggest blessing you'll probably ever experience in your life. Um, because once you get out of it and you learn, um, you can only get better. And then I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be rainbows after that. You will constantly fail, but it's, again, you come back stronger. And it's very cliche, but after the first failure, the second one would also feel worse. But again, it feels better when you get over it. And just the growth, the personal growth you have will be um, inexplainable. It's not just related to the sport, but like your per you realize what your values are and what you care about in the world and then you'll act on them so yeah that's my advice just do it <laughs> hey thanks kate uh just do it is great and strong advice but sometimes it's not always that easy and i just want to refer back to one of your other sort of statements where you were talking about being the youngest uh coach educator in asia and why would they listen to me? And that is a sense of an imposter syndrome. So what advice would you give to people that are trying to overcome their own sense of imposter syndrome, either teaching adults or people that they think are more experienced or just in a, in a sport where they don't think they should belong? How do yeah. we get over that imposter syndrome? Well, I think so finding someone that, you confide in in the sport or understands the sport i think or even someone that doesn't understand the sport but understands you someone that you can go to i think a very strong support system is very important um, when you're in a world of um, competitiveness and i think finding that person and then speaking to them and finding your personal confidence within that to realize that you reached this point um because of your capabilities, whether you think that someone is more knowledgeable than you, and you know that might be right. In many cases, that's possibly correct. You are still put in that position for a reason and because someone believed in you. So I think you should believe in yourself because you've proven it already, you know? But yeah, support system and essentially just remembering what you know is very important. And I, I still struggle with that today forgetting that I I am here. I think that's also great advice, like uh, finding your own personal uh, confidence in someone that you can confide in, where you can share your thoughts and troubles in a safe place, but also realizing that someone once believed in you and so that you should believe in yourself as well can be very powerful. One of the things that I've heard before is that it's only new for a little bit. Like it's only going to be new for one or two times. And then you overcome that newness and you learn from it. As you said, every interaction has been an opportunity for growth and learning. So now that we've got all of that out of the way, like we've got our confidence, we know where we're going. But what's next for Kate? Where does Kate want to take her focus and this beautiful energy that you have? 
Oh, thank you. Well, um, long story short, I left Hong Kong because I actually felt like I was stuck. I was actually stuck in in growth. I felt like there was nowhere else I could look for. I, I felt like there was no other path for me to explore. And I felt that I reached a certain level of achievements already. So what do I do now? And then I realized I was a better coach and educator than I was a player. So Kate now is actually rediscovering what it's like to be a player and only a player, um, which is a big reason I left was to play rugby here in Sydney. It's a more challenging level and it's been a crazy journey of growth. If you are someone that's uh, played rugby and coaches as well, you understand that it's very different. Like you think, like as a coach, you see all of these things, but as a player, sometimes you don't actually do these things. You only see it after. Yeah, so um, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Um, the growth is something else. And I'm finding a lot of inconsistencies of, obviously I've been coaching and educating two years more than I've been playing because there was that gap. It's almost like I'm learning how to play rugby again. Um, even if I know rugby well, playing rugby is different. So yeah, it's been amazing. Kate is rediscovering what it's like to be a player and letting go of other responsibilities. It's been very hard to say no to many opportunities here to work in rugby, but I'm doing it for even more personal growth as a player. That's where I am currently. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly nice to know that, that Kate, as we, we keep saying, is uh, focusing on herself for a little bit. It is important to, to focus on yourself at times. We uh, we all hear about burnout and people kind of maybe going down the wrong direction. But, you know, sometimes it's it's good to take some time out for yourself, know yourself uh, and know what, what you want from life and what you want from your career. So so well done for being strong enough to, to, to know your direction and know that you want to go down the player route. But I've got to ask, are we going to see Kate, the coach educator, come back? Are we going to see Kate, the, the coach, resurface at a later date? Yep. Um, so the certifications and the, that doesn't go away. I'll still be an educator and I'll still be a coach. Um, and it's also in my nature to do so as well. And it makes me very happy. Eventually, I will go back to it. Um, but I don't think it will be something I do full time. Um, there is also reality to sporting careers, right? Um, I don't think I'm going to be a World Cup coach. <laughs> so um, no full-time coaching for Kate. Um, but I do look into developing my creative career again as well and kind of do that alongside of the coaching, educating and playing. But I'm going to be smarter this time around, I think, and kind of pick and choose which one I want to do instead of doing all three at the same time. I never want to lose the love of the sport. And I think when it turns into work, it can be different. So I'm trying to figure that out now now, and find the perfect balance. So I never, I don't think I'll ever lose the love of, rug, of rugby, but I don't want to burn out again. No, no, you're absolutely right. You've got to, you've got to take that time to, to focus on what you want. But I do want to pick up on something you just said. I will never be a World Cup coach. <laughs> And I'm going to go back to uh, to a quote from you, which is, uh, believing in yourself is much easier when someone else believes in you. Well, well, Kate, from what you've told me, I, I, I very much believe in you. So don't don't let it go beyond you. You know, I, I'd love to see you attempt to become that World Cup coach later down the line. 
Okay, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, on that note, um, we're coming to the end now. Um, and what myself and, and Tavis love to do is we love to kind of throw our guests in the deep end a little bit, try and um, look into their character a little bit more than we have done already and ask you some little fun questions. And my question is is uh, all about you know, your skills, your habits, your characteristics. So my question is, if you weren't Kate the player, Kate the coach, what else do you think you might be doing? What other career do you think you might be in right now? I think I'd definitely be a teacher. I'm still thinking about it. I might do my PGCE. I've been told many times I'd be an amazing teacher. I worked in a school. Um, we'll see. I'm open to all career, not all career, but I'm open to that being a career option. A funny note, I think I'd also possibly be a mechanic. So my dad restores uh, vintage cars and I think that has sparked a small interest in me, but I've never looked into it. So if I didn't pick up rugby, I think I'd pick up fixing cars and restoring cars. I think with your experience and your energy, you would make a great teacher and the kids would probably really respond to you really well. And it's probably why you make such a great coach because you connect on a level that's just not about uh, what you're teaching. It's about the relationships that you're building too. For my fun question, what is a strange habit or skill that has helped you on your journey so far? Strange skill, I'm not sure I have, but strange habits, I definitely have. Um, so the thing about being a coach, like an educator, player, and a coach is I have, there are three different versions of rugby Kate. And sometimes it's difficult for me to separate and each of them have different habits and each of them have different kind of rituals. So player Kate is very specific on the types of coffee she drinks on game day, specifically an iced one first and then a hot one at a specific time between the game um, and specific number of um, snakes, the, the confectionery, uh, confectionery, confectionery. I don't know how to say the name of the brand, but the snakes, the gummy snakes, a specific color and specific number of them during halftime as well um, has done me well. Educator Kate has to talk to the mirror and rehearse what she's going to teach before she does the course. Um, and what else? Coach Kate um, has to plan her sessions six weeks in advance. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a little too keen. Um, but yeah, if I don't do it six weeks in advance, um, obviously we're human, we make errors and I'll do, I have to do it a day before because I'm burnt out and too busy. I don't think the session, I don't think I coach very well. So yeah, lots of different things. I love some of these habits that you shared or at least these strange idiosyncrasies such as the coffee rituals and the candy rituals as play okay. Each of these... Uh, hats that you wear or each of these personas have a different ritual just to help you get through uh, to the end goal. Like I can totally imagine you standing in front of the mirror, giving yourself a pep talk uh, as you get ready for your educator course and then being very well planned as you get ready for running a coaching session. Okay. Um, wh whatever hat you've got on, there is an overwhelming sense of happiness with the things that you do, and it brings uh, such light and energy to the things. So it's really easy to see 
what other people have seen in you. Like it's very easy to believe in your oh, own abilities. You. <laughs> it's been a really enlightening sort of uh, chat with you today. So yeah, from myself at Spawning Directions, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. I'd like to echo what uh, Tavis has just said. It's been a real pleasure interviewing you. So thank you ever so much for your time. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Tavis. It was awesome. Thank you so much.